0: I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Carneson. I'm a practicing geriatrician, so that means I'm a medical doctor specializing in geriatrics, which is the art and science of modifying healthcare so that it works better for older people and for their families. In today's episode, we are going to talk about flu shots and about getting the seasonal vaccine against influenza. And I've actually recorded a podcast episode about this before because I first wrote a long detailed article about flu shots for better health while aging in the fall of 2017, and I recorded a related podcast episode at that time. And then we actually had a very bad flu season in the year 2017, 2018, and so I ended up revising the article in the fall of 2018, and now I've decided that every fall I'm gonna update it with the latest information because some things do change, related to the flu shots. And last year, what I did is I didn't record a whole new podcast episode. I recorded a new introduction, but this year I'm going to just redo the podcast episode. So if you've heard the previous ones, it is going to be pretty similar this episode. And so if you want, you can just go over to the article and take a look. There isn't really anything majorly new in terms of the flu shots that are available for older adults. Or you can listen and just get a refresher with this episode. So now usually I try to address flu vaccination in October. I'm a little behind this year. I'm recording this right at the beginning of November and I'm about to go get my flu shot later today also. But in general, October and early November is the time when we make a big push as health providers to offer the seasonal flu vaccine to all of our patients and we get ourselves immunized as well. But a lot of people are skeptical. And I remember when I was in primary care clinic, a lot of people didn't agree to the the flu vaccination because many older adults and many people in general are skeptical of the need to get a yearly vaccination against influenza. They're not sure it will help or they think the flu shot might actually give them a mild case of the flu or they don't like needles Or nowadays, people may be unsure of which type of seasonal flu shot to get because now we have lots of choices. And if you're an older adult, you might be wondering, am I supposed to get the regular flu shot or one of these new quote unquote stronger versions designed for older adults? So I'm never surprised when people bring up these questions because vaccination for seasonal influenza can indeed be a confusing topic. But I do think it's really important to consider vaccination. And that goes for those of you, because I hear this a lot, who have never been vaccinated and will tell me, I never get the flu. What I want you all to know if you're older is that the older we get, our body does change over time and become more vulnerable. So even if you had a very robust immune system before, uh, it is going to be less robust and strong as you get older. So I think it's always just worth reconsidering and reviewing the information, and that's what I'm hoping to provide you with during this episode. So why do I recommend influenza vaccination? Well, another common thing that I hear is, I had the flu, it wasn't that bad. Well, it's true that every year, millions of people get influenza, and for most of them, it's a a miserable few days, but it's completely manageable. However, for a minority of people they will become sick enough from influenza that they'll be hospitalized or even die. So generally, depending on the year, the Center for Disease Control, the CDC, estimates that every year influenza affects nine to 60 million Americans, and that it causes 140,000 to 710 hospitalizations, and that it results in 12,000 to 56,000 deaths. Now, you may be wondering why is there this range? and that's because every year the flu kind of affects us differently. In some years the flu virus is really strong or tends to provoke a really strong illness response in people and one of the most, you know, famous examples of that is that influenza pandemic that happened in the early 20th centuries when literally millions of people, many of whom were younger adults, got sick and died of the flu. So we do have some years when the flu is just particularly what we would call virulent. And then it's also a question of to what extent did it spread through the population. And that can be in part related to how well that year's flu vaccine matched up to the flu that was circulating. So in terms of our recent flu seasons, two years ago, 2017, 2018, we had an exceptionally severe flu season. And the CDC estimates that we had 80,000 deaths that year related to the flu, whereas the usual range is 12,000 to 56,000 deaths. Now I'm recording this in November of 2019. So you may be wondering about last year's flu season. Well, it wasn't as bad as the year before, but it still wasn't trivial. The CDC is still crunching its numbers, but they estimate that there were 36,000 to 60,000 flu deaths. So that's still on the high side of what we would expect for a usual flu season now i mentioned the flu pandemic of the early 20th century a moment ago but that one was unusual because there were so many younger people who got very sick and died and usually the people who are most likely to get sick and die from the flu are actually people who have less strong immune systems so that means younger children older adults people with chronic illnesses people who have a suppressed immune system i'm sometimes asked you know if you're immune suppressed, are you supposed to get a flu shot? The CDC's recommendation is yes, those people are at higher risk and they're supposed to be a priority for immunization. Because at the population level, the flu can make so many people sick enough to be hospitalized and possibly die. I do agree with the CDC's recommendation that everyone over the age of six months should get a seasonal flu vaccine or at least seriously consider it. And again, I'm going to go later today to get it. And I'm a healthy woman in my 40s. I'm not that concerned about getting dangerously ill from influenza. I mean, it's always possible, but it would have to be probably an exceptionally severe flu year for that to happen. But mostly I get my yearly flu shot because I especially want to minimize my chance of getting sick. I have young children and a busy life. And also, I want to especially minimize my chances of exposing my older patients when I see them to influenza. Now I do feel like I'm a little late. Usually I would have gone earlier in October. I had some things come up and we recommend October because the flu season usually starts in earnest in November and it does take your body about two weeks to respond to the flu vaccine and build up the antibodies that are going to be protecting you. But if you listen to this episode later in the winter and you're wondering, is it too late to be vaccinated? The answer is really that it's supposed to be never too late, I think, until it's really late in the spring. And so whenever you get around to it is, is good. So now here's what I'm going to cover in the rest of this episode. I want to start by reviewing quickly the basics of influenza and vaccination against the flu, how it makes people sick and how the vaccine protects people. And then I'm gonna talk about what you should know about flu shots that are designed for older adults. And I'll talk about which flu vaccine is probably best for most older adults. And then I'll finish by talking about what you can do if your older parent or relative is unwilling or unable to get vaccinated. So let's get started. I'm going to start with the question, what exactly is influenza? And then we'll go from there. So what is influenza? Influenza, also commonly called the flu, is a contagious respiratory viral illness. So it's caused by a virus and it tends to focus on your respiratory tract So that means the part of your body that are involved with breathing, that means your nose, your upper airway, and it can go down into the lower part of your airways, down in the lungs. And there are actually two types of influenza viruses. They're called influenza A and influenza B. And so now what kind of symptoms do people get when they have influenza? The most common symptoms are to have a sore throat, a stuffy nose, cough, fever, and body aches. So it's very similar to a cold, just much, much worse usually. And then the body aches are something that we don't usually see as much in most run of the mill cold viruses. And in the Northern hemisphere, influenza is most common in the winter months. And the peak influenza activity usually occurs sometime between December and February, but in some years it can uh, keep going as late as May. Now, like many viral illnesses and other illnesses, there's really a spectrum of how badly people are affected and how badly somebody gets sick depends on both the person themselves and the state of their immune system and the body. And then it also depends, again, on that year, just how uh, what we would say virulent is the influenza virus that is going around And maybe I should say viruses, because again, we have, you know, A and B. So most people who catch the flu and get sick experience what we call uncomplicated influenza. So that means you again get those symptoms that are similar, but worse than a bad cold. So you'll have a sore throat, stuffy nose, cough, fever, body aches. And after several days, it eventually gets better. Now, not everybody has the body aches and feels that violently ill. Uh, It turns out that some people will be infected with the flu virus and they'll have just really mild symptoms. And some of them don't even have any symptoms at all. And it's even been found that some of those people will shed virus and not actually manifest the illness. So it's really variable. But then there are some people who, along with getting the sore throats, the fever, the cough and cold symptoms, they'll actually get other more serious illness symptoms. So we call this complications of influenza, and we call this a complicated case of influenza. And probably the most common complication is pneumonia, which means a serious infection of the lungs. And people can get an influenza-related pneumonia either because the influenza itself affects their lungs and causes that inflammation in their lungs, or because their body is weakened by the influenza virus and by being sick, it can create an opening for bacteria that otherwise the body might keep in check. Those bacteria can then sort of get going in the lungs and cause a bacterial pneumonia. So that's a really common and feared complication of influenza. But there are also other complications that we know about. And one thing that has definitely been noted is that when people are sick from influenza, if they have pre-existing chronic conditions affecting their heart and lungs, they seem to be more likely to develop a flare up or worsening of those chronic conditions. So people who have conditions such as chronic obstructive pulmonary disease or heart failure, those often get worse when people have influenza and so they can be hospitalized with that. In this episode, I'm not gonna cover the details of exactly how the flu is diagnosed or treated, but in the related article, there are links to CDC pages that go into this in depth. So in short, when people are infected with influenza, most of them will have the symptoms similar to a bad cold on a miserable few days. Uh, Some of them will have mild symptoms or might even be infected and just shed the virus and not have symptoms. And then some people will get extremely sick And the people who are likely to get very sick with a pneumonia or with a worsening of their chronic illnesses are people who are older and who have weakened immune systems or who have chronic illnesses as well. Now, let's talk about how vaccination helps with all this. How does it protect one from the flu and how effective is it? So the way the flu vaccine works is pretty much the way most vaccines work. It stimulates the body's immune system to create antibodies to influenza. Now, the tricky thing about influenza and the reason why we have to vaccinate every year, whereas we, for most uh, vaccines, we don't do it every year is that the influenza vaccine has a tendency to mutate and constantly be shuffling the proteins that it has on the outside of the virus. Um, So that means that if your body creates antibodies to the flu one year, by the time the next year rolls around, the influenza virus will have shuffled the proteins on the outside and your antibodies that you had from last year won't work very well. And that's a problem because we fight off infections much more quickly and effectively if we have pre-existing antibodies. If we don't have the matching antibodies, then it takes longer for our immune system to figure out how to fight that new virus or bacterium so we do have to currently do yearly influenza vaccines because the vaccines target those proteins on the outside that are constantly shifting there is ongoing research into a more you know quote-unquote permanent influenza vaccine that would target some part of the virus that's not constantly changing but that's still in development so how do we know in that case what to put in the vaccine so The CDC and the World Health Organization have squads of scientists whose job it is to study the currently circulating strains of influenza and to make predictions about which ones are most likely to be coming to the Northern Hemisphere or the Southern Hemisphere, depending on the season. And they use that to make recommendations to the vaccine manufacturers about which proteins should be included in the vaccine. And so then the vaccine manufacturers get going in the spring, creating, manufacturing a vaccine that will stimulate antibodies against the strain that they're expecting. And then those vaccines become available usually uh, for the Northern Hemisphere in September. So the thing is, you know, the scientists are all very qualified and they have good methods, but they are making an educated guess. And sometimes their prediction works out really well. Often it's pretty decent. And every now and then, The influenza that shows up is very different than what we were expecting, and so in that case, that would be a year when the vaccine was not very well matched to the circulating flu. So this is one of the reasons why the protection from the flu vaccine is variable is because it's dependent on the prediction that the researchers made and how well their prediction matched the flu viruses that showed up. So the CDC estimates that when the vaccine is well-matched to the circulating viruses, flu vaccination reduces your risk of flu illness by 40 to 60% for the population. So it's important to realize it's not a slam dunk, right? So even if it's a good match, you still could get sick from the flu. However, they also think that if the vaccine was a good match and you do get sick, you aren't going to get as sick. So Now let's talk about, you know, just which vaccine to get, because if you've looked into it all, you've probably noticed that there are several different types of flu vaccine available. So in the show notes, I'll post a link to the CDC page listing this year's vaccines, but I counted last week and there are currently eight vaccines that are available for adults and older adults right now. All eight of them are recommended by the CDC and considered adequate for your influenza vaccination, but they are a little bit different in terms of the type of vaccine they are and how they were made. So let me cover briefly the, the differences. Uh, so first of all, there's trivalent flu vaccine versus quadrivalent flu vaccines. And basically, the, uh, whether it's tri or quad is determined by whether these protect against three strains of influenza or four strains of influenza. So trivalent uh, influenza vaccines have been around for longer. They protected against two strains of influenza A and one of influenza B. But uh, these days, um, most vaccines are now moving towards being quadrivalent. So almost everything that is a quote, standard dose vaccine right now is a quadrivalent vaccine. But that is just for standard dose. So now let's also talk about standard dose versus high dose. So several years ago, they came out with a high dose trivalent flu vaccine. And what the high dose means is that it contains a larger amount of influenza proteins. And so that stimulates the immune system better. And that's important because if, a, if an immune system is weaker and people have weaker immune systems, either if they're chronically ill or if they're on medications that affect their immune system, but also if they are older, because as we get older, Most things in our body work less well than they did when they were younger, and the immune system is one of those things. So what they found is that for a weaker immune system, you really need to give it a bigger package of proteins to get the response that you need to make enough antibodies. So I'm going to talk more about vaccines for older adults in a moment, but that's what they mean when they say high dose is just, is there more virus proteins in the dose And then there's another type of vaccine which contains an adjuvant. So this is an alternative way to stimulate a weakened immune system. You can either give a larger dose of the proteins that you want the immune system to react to, or you can include an adjuvant, which is basically an additive designed to kind of stimulate the immune system. You know, in a way, it's almost like a little irritant for the immune system. And they found that if you add this additive, the immune system gets revved up more and has more of a response. So basically, if you want to stimulate more of an immune system response, especially if an immune system is weakened, you can either put in a bigger dose of what you want the immune system to respond to, or you can use an additive that stimulates and gooses the immune system to respond more strongly to the virus proteins. So let me now focus on what you should know about flu shots specifically for older adults, because you've probably heard that there are a few flu shots for older adults. And related to this is the question of, is the flu vaccine actually effective for older adults? Because sometimes people have heard, and sometimes other experts or health professionals have said that the flu shot doesn't work in older people. So there is a grain of truth to this, but it's not entirely correct. Uh, so what is true is that a standard flu vaccine, so a flu vaccine with you know the standard dose that doesn't have either a higher dose or a little extra something in it to stimulate the immune system, it does work less well in older adults. And the reason for this is, again, as people age, their immune system ages as well and it becomes less responsive and vigorous. So an older person's immune system often doesn't create as many antibodies in response to the vaccine as a younger person's immune system. So, that means the vaccine will be probably less effective and less likely to protect protection against the flu. However, less effective doesn't mean not at all effective. And depending on the person and the season, even the regular flu shot can probably somewhat reduce your risk of falling ill from the flu. So, although we do have two flu shots available that were specifically designed for older adults at this time the cdc does not particularly recommend that older adults choose those flu shots over any of the others and the cdc's take is still that vaccination with any flu vaccine that is approved for your age group is uh, suitable so what are the two ones that are available for older adults so one of them is called flu zone high dose and the other one is called fluod. so let me first talk about flu zone high dose This is the one that has been around for longer. It is a trivalent vaccine, and it contains four times the amount of antigen compared to flu zone standard dose. So this is the approach of we're going to put in a higher dose of antigen because the more antigen you give somebody, the stronger a stimulus it is for the immune system to create the antibodies. And studies have found that the higher dose vaccine does improve antibody response. And studies have also found that older adults who are vaccinated with this vaccine develop higher antibody Titers. There was also a study published in 2017 that found that nursing homes using the high dose vaccine had uh, their residents had a lower risk of hospitalization during the flu season. Now, the absolute reduction in risk was 1%. So you may think that's not a big deal, but by public health standards, when you consider all the people who are at stake, you know, it does make a difference. And in general, preventing um, one a hospitalization and one person out of 100, that's considered pretty good in public health terms. So, fluzone high dose is one option. And then the other one that has been specifically approved for older adults is called Fluod. So, this is a trivalent vaccine that contains an adjuvant. So, that means the additive meant to stimulate a better immune response to the vaccine. It is newer in the United States. It was only approved a few years ago. So, we still don't have any real-world published studies of how well it provides uh, protection. But it has been licensed in Canada and in European countries prior to receiving approval here. It was approved in 2015. And so my guess is that within the next few years, we probably will see some research published about the effectiveness of this vaccine. So those are the two vaccines available this year that are specifically available for older people. Now, again, the CDC says that older adults don't have to specifically get a vaccination designed for older people. So if you're an older adult, you might be wondering, well, what should I do? So my own take is that if you have a choice, go with one of the ones designed for older adults. And I would especially recommend Fluzone high dose just because there is a longer track record. So the adjuvant additive in Fluad is believed to be safe. And at the same time, when we have newer medications, it can take years for any safety risks to come out. So if that's what they offer you, I, I wouldn't say necessarily avoid it. But if you had the choice, I would pick flu zone high dose first, Fluod second, and then one of the other vaccinations for adults. Now, there is a flu vaccine that is available for adults, but only until they are age 49, and that is the nasal vaccine. So people sometimes wonder, can I get sick from the flu? The answer is you can't get sick from most flu vaccines. Well, you're not supposed to be able to get sick from any of them, but the vast majority of flu vaccines are made with inactivated flu virus or with kind of synthetically generated flu virus proteins. Uh, The exception to this is the nasal vaccine, which is popular with children. It's a little mist that they spray in. That one is actually a live flu virus that has been weakened. So that one is not approved for people who are immune compromised. And it's also not approved for people who are over age 49. So if you're 60, that shouldn't be an option for you and your choices. So your choice will be one of the eight vaccines that are approved for adults of all ages, including older adults. And of those eight, two of them are approved just for people who are age 65 or older. And again, that's flu zone high dose or flu odd. And just so you know, yearly influenza vaccination is 100% covered by Medicare. There's no deductible or copay. So if you get your flu shot from a health provider that accepts Medicare payments, there should be no cost. So now flu vaccination, I do recommend it, but there are, of course, lots of other things that you can and should do to protect yourself from the flu. And I'm going to specifically recommend three of them. So the first is consider minimizing your exposure to people who have the flu. The second is bolstering your immune system in whatever ways you can. And then the third is making sure that you are up to date on your pneumococcal vaccination. So let's talk about those three now. So first of all, how do you minimize your exposure to flu virus? Well, to address this, it's important to understand how people get exposed to influenza and get sick from it in the first place. So influenza is actually mostly transmitted through breathing in of air droplets that contain influenza virus. So you know how when people have the flu, they're coughing and speaking. When people speak or cough, especially when they cough, but even when they speak, they project little microscopic droplets of water into the air and those contain influenza vaccine. And so people, who then come into that space and breathe in, will breathe in the influenza vaccine into their lungs. People might also get influenza vaccine on their hands. And then if they touch their nose or mouth, they can also transmit the influenza vaccine. To avoid breathing in droplets with influenza vaccine, you need to either not be around people who might have influenza. So if you're homebound and not getting out very much then that means that your main exposure will be from people who come in. And that's, again, why I think it's really important to consider getting vaccinated if you are somebody who is coming into the living space of a frail older person. Or if you are going to go out, if you want to be uh, really diligent about minimizing your exposure, then you would think about wearing a mask actually over your face that would keep you from breathing in the droplets that might have influenza. Now, people sometimes wonder if they should worry about household surfaces and Kleenexes. So influenza viruses, as best we can tell, can survive on household surfaces, but not for a super long time. They think they can survive on hard surfaces for up to a day. They don't survive very well, as far as we can tell, on soft surfaces, such as bed sheets or Kleenexes. So based on all this, I would say you know, the best ways to minimize exposure are avoid exposure to people who may have influenza, Clean your household surfaces, especially hard surfaces such as counters. And then especially if somebody living in the house has been sick, you want to be careful about spending too much time near that person. You want to wash your hands often, especially before touching your eyes, nose, or mouth. You could consider a face mask if you wanted to. So when people tell me, you know, my elderly mother is homebound and can barely get out, how can I get her a flu shot? Again, I remind people that, well, what's probably more important is you doing what you can to minimize having the flu Uh, And if you are sick is to be careful about spending too much time near your mother. So now let's go to the other thing we mentioned, which is bolstering your immune system. So bolstering your immune system means equipping yourself so that if you are exposed to get to the influenza virus, you'll be less likely to get sick or less likely to get very sick. So how can you do that? So as I mentioned before, how sick people get does depend on the individual person, how strong their immune system is and how good their underlying health is. So if people are feeling pretty good and their immune system is feeling pretty good, they have a much better ability to fight off the, uh, the virus. So to bolster your immune system, so the very best way is to be vaccinated, I would say, against the flu uh, and to have those antibodies already prepared. But then the next best after that is to take care of your health and body. And I'll post a link in the show notes to a Harvard Health article on the immune system, but they're really kind of healthy living basics. You know, getting adequate sleep, avoiding chronic stress, not smoking, and so forth. People do sometimes ask me if certain vitamins or supplements are gonna bolster the immune system. I think none of it has been definitively proven. I know some people have very um, strong feelings about it, but I don't recommend any particular supplement. At this time, I mostly recommend, you know, getting a lot of uh, being well-rested and reducing stress. And then the third thing that I mentioned would be making sure that you are up to date on pneumococcal vaccination. So what is this vaccine? It has often been called by patients the pneumonia shot. And to make things even more interesting, for a long time, there was one pneumonia shot called Pneumovax. And then a few years ago, they decided to recommend two different shots to older adults. And now they're kind of backing off from that and saying that people should definitely get Pneumovax and that the other one is kind of optional depending on their, their health state. But let's talk about these types of vaccinations in general. So they are colloquially called the pneumonia shots, but it's more accurate to say that it's a vaccination against a bacteria that's called Streptococcus pneumonia. And we often refer to it as pneumococcus for short in healthcare. This bacteria can cause pneumonia and can cause a very serious pneumonia, but it actually uh, often causes other forms of bacterial infection in the body. People also sometimes get confused. They think that because they got the quote-unquote pneumonia shot, they that's going to prevent all pneumonias or most pneumonias, but actually pneumonia, which means an infection in the lungs, can be caused by a large variety of different bacteria and also viruses, including influenza virus. So it's really most accurate to call this vaccine against pneumococcus. And again, the one that has been recommended for older adults for a long time is called Pneumovax. So a few years ago, there's another pneumococcal vaccine called Prevnar that was developed for children. And a few years ago, the CDC suggested that older adults get both of them. And now it looks like they're backing off from that. So right now my recommendation, if you want to check into pneumococcal vaccination is to check with your health provider and find out which, if any, of those vaccines you have had. And if you haven't had pneumovax, the one that's been around for a long time, it's to consider getting vaccinated for that because there is research and evidence suggesting that people who have been vaccinated against pneumococcus are less likely to get hospitalized or die during influenza season. And now to finish, I want to talk about what you can do if your older parent or relative is unwilling or unable to get vaccinated. So I hear about this a lot from family members that my mom is refusing. She says she's had the flu before, that it's not that bad, that she doesn't like needles, or she thinks it will give her the flu, or she's worried about side effects of the flu, which by the way, are mostly just a sore arm. You don't actually get the flu from the flu shot. Uh, And then there are in very rare cases, more severe side effects, but your likelihood of getting those rare complications related to the flu shot are much, much smaller than your likelihood of getting the flu or getting hospitalized from the flu. But anyway, people, you know, often are reluctant to get the, uh, the flu shot. So if, if this is your situation, you're worried about an older loved one and they don't want to get the flu shot, what can you do? So first, I think it's important to remember a basic principle, which is that whenever you're having a disagreement with someone else, especially with an older relative, you always want to start by listening and inviting the person to express their concerns. Because when people feel listened to and heard and validated, first of all, that makes it easier for them to feel connected to you. That makes it easier for you to understand their perspective and what they might need to know, if anything, that would help them think about the flu shot differently, and they might also, after they feel heard, feel more receptive to listening to you. Some other things that can help if you're having a disagreement about them doing what you think is good for their health is to frame the flu shot as a way to help them achieve their goal, to, you know, minimize their risk of being hospitalized or of being sick. For other people, even though they don't feel that concerned or motivated when it comes to protecting their own health, If you point out that it might benefit other people in their family, such as their older spouse, their other older relatives, friends, neighbors, they might be willing to consider it because sometimes people are more willing to do something to help other people than they are to try to optimize their own health. Now, if they say, well, I had the flu before, it wasn't that bad, then sometimes gently pointing out that as we get older, our bodies are less resilient and less able to fight off the flu can make a difference. And so you could try reminding them that just because you had it when you were younger and it wasn't that bad, doesn't mean that you're not at higher risk for getting quite sick right now. So sometimes this is information that, you know, can be useful for older adults to find out, but then, you know, sometimes it may not have any effect. You also want to make sure they know they won't have to pay for the flu shot because sometimes people are concerned about the expense. I know some families have had success in offering to go together. You know, you make it a little family outing, let's go together and get our flu shots, I'll get mine too. So those are some of the options to consider. Now there are, as I mentioned earlier, some adults for whom it's just logistically very difficult for them to get a flu shot. So these might include people who are homebound and have very limited transportation options, and maybe it's not possible to get a health provider to come to the home. So if that's the situation for you or one of your relatives, You want to, again, bear in mind that for that person, their main source of exposure to the flu virus will be from other people coming in. So you want to, in that case, especially encourage flu shots for family members, for people who are working in the house, and for others who are coming in. So above all, I really want to say don't panic if your older parents or relative or somebody you care about can't or won't get a flu shot. I mean, it does make a difference, I think, at a population level when people are vaccinated. And I do believe that most years it does save lives and it does avoid hospitalizations. But at the same time, for each individual person, the likelihood that the flu shot they got is going to prevent hospitalization or death for any one specific person is fairly small. So... I think being vaccinated is helpful, and I encourage it if you have a choice, and if it's not feasible or doable for you or for someone else, I would say don't worry too much. People who don't get flu shots usually survive flu season. Now, of course, when I say that, people who don't get flu shots usually survive flu season, then people often think, well, then why should I bother at all? It's, you know, it's inconvenient, it hurts to get the, the shots, and, you know, what if I am one of those rare people who gets a side effect. And uh, all I can say is that uh, I do feel like by getting our flu shots, we are doing a small part to protect ourselves and also to protect others from the flu. So I do recommend it, but at the same time, if it doesn't work out, no need to panic. So I hope that in listening to this, you'll go ahead and get your seasonal flu shot. If you're not sure where to go, I'll post a link in the show notes. There's a handy website run by the government that will help you find a vaccine near you. And with that, I'm going to wrap up this episode of Better Health While Aging. If you have any questions about something you heard in this episode, you can post it on the show notes page for the episode. I'll also be posting some links to some of the resources that I mentioned in the episode. To find the show notes, visit betterhealthwhileaging.net and click podcast in the main menu at the top. Last but not least, if you've been enjoying the podcast, don't forget to support us by subscribing on iTunes, and if you've already done that, please leave a rating and review. This makes it easier for others to discover our show on iTunes, and I would love for the many people who are interested in health or aging or family caregivers to be able to find it and give it a chance. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dr. Leslie Kernison, and I'm looking forward to you joining us for future episodes.